Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean? Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode, this is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays, and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. The blast from our past network. Hello and welcome back to Action Action on the BFOP Network. My name is John and this is the podcast that watches all the action movies and puts them on our list of the greatest action movies of all time. Uh, This week on the podcast, we watched the first movie of not only, I believe, a a quadrilogy, but also (laughs) a a series that spawned a TV show. Yeah. Uh, Oh. We watched, yeah, kind of crazy. Um, But before we get into... The Transporter, uh, let's introduce my co-hosts, James. Hey. And Dustin. Hello. Uh, how are you guys? Fantastic. Can't complain. Just hyped. <laughs> hyped. <laughs> hyped. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over you guys because we actually have a guest on this show, on this episode. Um, we have Tristan from Double Impact Podcast with Tristan and Greg. Hey, man. Hey, Tristan. What's going on? Hey, guys. I'm excited. I can't wait. To dive in to the transporter. Yeah, that's my that's my Jason Statham. That's nice. my, you, that's you can do you can do the accent with a little more authenticity than than we can. Well, Although yeah. God knows what accent he was doing in this movie, we can talk more about that later. That's true. Um, there were some strange moments. There were say. people made people made choices. Yeah, and yeah, and choices were made, <laughs> and then they follow they they followed through on those choices. And then we have the transporter. <laughs> We've arrived. That should be on the, the poster. And then, that should be on the poster. And then, tagline. And then we all saw it. Uh, before, we, before we get into our normal everyday, um, like, what have you been watching, uh, Tristan? Can you tell us a little bit about where, like, what's like, you, yourself, and your, your podcast, and, and, and what, what, you know, what you're about? Yeah, I, uh, I'm an Australian, as you may have been able to tell, not English or, or New Zealander. Um, I co-host a podcast called Double Impact with uh, me and a mate named Greg and uh, we revisit all the movies from our childhood uh, and decide how they hold up today. Sometimes they're best left in the past. (laughs) Although, to be honest with you, I feel like we were just talking about this before we hit record, but I feel like sometimes I'm too generous. I always feel like it's a tough call to say something belongs in the past, so... Uh, that's something I'm working on. Well, it's kind of <laughs> interesting. You're trying to be meaner. <laughs> yeah, but it's hard because I end up finding something I like in in a lot of them. Yeah, um, well, it's kind of like this. Like I don't know if, it, if it's it's probably always been this way, but it really feels like in the last say twenty years, like nostalgia has really been weaponized as like yeah. a thing 
that either like people use as like, oh, like you don't like this or like, oh, you're ruining our childhood by remaking it. And I mean, sometimes we yeah. hold those things a little too precious. Yeah, well, with that, I try and make sh- one of our things that's not really written on the wall or anything, but it's kind of written in my brain is like more than nostalgia. We try and make sure that we're not just, you know, looking through a nostalgic lens. We're really trying to be objective about it. And also try not to just, you know, be a nostalgic podcast either because I feel like that it's trendy now, but it's just going to date us in a few years' time. <laughs> um, but there are definitely ones that don't hold up. And then there's ones that... Most are a mixed bag. The thing is, there's always these, um, just just through the fact that they were made in a different era, there's a different cultural context there with of course, yeah. Yeah. all the tropes that go along with it. So most of them, are, most of the films we cover are sexist, at least by omission of not having any female characters, some worse than others. Um, a lot of them are sort of racist in the same ways, like movies like Showdown and Little Tokyo become a little disappointing. Um, but then there's other ones that just seem to hold up surprisingly well. Like we just did Mortal Kombat. We just recorded Mortal Kombat last night. It's coming out in a few weeks. It's not an tier one movie or anything like that, but it's in terms of a lot of, a lot of where other movies fall down, this one tends to hold up relatively well. Like it's a diverse cast and... All those types of things. So yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey. But, um, yeah, that's cool. I mean, yeah. before if you, if you want to give us a little insight, do you have like a do you have like a um, uh, something that holds up more than you would expect, and maybe something that let you down a little bit? <sighs> no pressure, just off the top. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's how, definitely that's how interviews some. go, guys. <laughs> okay. this, is real, this is real gotcha journalism. <laughs> I think there's probably some obvious ones. Uh, like we recently, we've actually been doing, we're in the middle of what we're calling May Madness, which is um, really just alliteration because it's May. But it was, <laughs> <laughs> we've been doing a lot of niche movies and we wanted to like really take some big swings and hit some of those classics because I don't know about you guys, sometimes it's a little intimidating to tackle the big ones because yeah, yeah. you get one shot at it and you want to you do it justice and all those things. But we've we've got five big movies stacked well, together, T2, Batman 89, and those two in particular have been interesting. T- they both... Uh, Net, net, they both hold up, and it wasn't necessarily surprising. But um, Greg, my co-host, was not as uh, impressed with Batman. So that was an interesting one. I loved it more than ever. Oh, wow. And I think I was like, I think for me it's probably also, I generally watch more superhero stuff than Greg too. So I'm, I'm probably getting a bit of fatigue with the current approach to superhero there. Right. And so watching 89 was probably more refreshing. Go, um, whereas him, it was just a different take than what we're getting. Yeah. Every, every month. Now. And I miss the days of, and it's a take, right? I miss the days of all the superhero movies. I mean, I guess the Snyder cut was a take in a way, but otherwise they're all this uh, tr- trying to be set in the real world and be very realistic and rationalize everything. And, you know, Batman has pointy ears because there's antennas in it, according <laughs> to Nolan. Yeah. But I like that in 89 Batman, he dresses up a bat just because he's pretty fucked up from all the trauma of his parents being killed. And he's kind of just as crazy as the Joker. Um, and it's such a small movie. It's There's not much to it. There's like five characters and some awesome practical sets. And it's... 
it's just a single-minded, closed-loop story. Two crazy people chasing each other around town. Uh, yeah, it yeah, was we, highly we, enjoyable. We, we definitely got to do Batman on our show at some point. For for some reason, we have done Batman Returns. I think because we did it for Christmas one year. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Because it's set at Christmas time, but we haven't done the original. We do that often on our show. I find we we do a sequel for some reason before we do the the original. So we at least, did at that. Least we're not doing Transporter Two today. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I, I've been listening to your uh, May Madness, and yeah, I mean it's great. And <laughs> I listened to the uh, Terminator one, so that was a re- recast, though I think. Uh, yeah, we've been doing, um, we've been republishing once per week as well with a movie that pairs well. So we did Terminator two, and then we re-released Terminator one. Yeah. Because um, people don't tend to look that far down the feed. So oh, yeah, totally. Popped it back up there. Yeah. Well, on, on our end, we haven't done Our Sacred Cow, which would be Die Hard. Uh, yeah, we've been putting right. it off. <laughs> it almost feels like once we do it, then we will just be done. Yeah, the show's <laughs> over then. So. So. Well, it's interesting. I was looking at your letterboxed, because um, you got your rankings there. Yeah, right? what did you think of are it? These, these are the official rankings. I was surprised because I think where Greg and I landed on Terminator 2 was. I think this is the greatest action movie of all time. Oh, cool! It's it's up there, but this, but, know, but we take all three of our scores, right, and then combine them. Yeah, and so that you know it, it ends in different places than one individual person might want to put it higher or lower, right? Yeah, and I think we're probably also coming from a point of historical significance as well, versus like just purely what's on the screen. Because I could see, I mean, the ones you do have there, Mad Max, John Wick. It's kind of hard. Yeah, I, I can't argue with those. Um, but in terms of a as a cultural moment and, you know, the peak of Arnold and the reinvention of the modern blockbuster, all that kind of stuff, it felt massive. But that doesn't necessarily make it the best action movie of all time. No, it just makes it an important it, moment. I think that, what, yeah. I think that what, you're, what you're bringing up is like something that's super interesting. And I think that's something that, that we struggle with. I think I struggle with it in a way that um, I end up saying stuff like this is our list it doesn't mean anything like as as, <laughs> as my way of almost just being like it means something to us in this moment but like realistically yeah, this at the end is of the day, it's kind of arbitrary right like yeah we, it's all it's all incredibly subjective yeah i think that what, what what we try to do is uh when we when we give a movie a high rating it's we're we're trying to just more say hey this is something that deserves to be recognized yeah and because yeah. of the way and that we set the podcast up from the from the get-go it ends up being like this is just where it ends up because we have a list because that's how we started it yeah, uh, yeah. and like not i would say 90 percent of the movies on the list if we were to re-watch them and re-review them they would probably go up or down they wouldn't stay in the same spot i mean we've yeah. redone a few and they've they've I think They've usually moved, yeah. gone up. So yeah, I think like with rankings and things, you can never, especially when you get into top five territory. If anyone asks me my favorite movie, I can never say, but I can kind of give a ballpark of what my top five are. So I think it's like you look at that top ten; it holds up, man. Where the, the specific rankings within it, who the hell knows? But that if you look at those ten movies, if you was if you were to tell someone who's never seen an action movie what ten movies to watch, that's a good cross section of all the. All the big ones. Yeah, you know? and I, I think that, that at the end of the day, that's really what it is. This is like, you know, it's 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 an excuse to talk to your friends about movies. Yeah. Oh, behind 
the guise of like we're gonna put together a list because yeah, li- lists are yeah. fun, right? And it's a way lists like are great. We, we like to organize things. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but that's oh, cool. actually what's it? <clears throat> what's at the bottom? I'm just gonna uh, ballistic X versus Sever. <laughs> oh, of course it is. Have you seen that? Have you seen that movie? I've never seen it, but I've just heard that that is oh, like officially a, the worst movie of all time. It's a treat, buddy. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that, that that movie is the worst movie is a combination of its budget, uh, the actors, the director, <laughs> and the the actual film, right? Like we, took, yeah. we I think we took into consideration the fact that that is not a low budget film. That is like a, yeah. a real movie. Um, yeah, it's on a different... It gets... Marked on a different scale when it's like that, right? You have, to, you have to hold it accountable if it's uh, yeah <laughs> been presented in a certain way. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So, yeah. like, before we get into the uh, into the film that you picked, uh, and <laughs> I'll get into why you picked it. I'll ask you into that in a minute. Uh, we do a thing where we start off by asking: Is there anything that you uh, you want to talk about that you liked or didn't like this week that you watched outside of like Ooh. podcastness, like? <sighs> Hmm. I can go with James. I'll start with James. James, you go first. Is there anything? Uh, okay. Uh, I watched Seek or Destroy. The, um. Well, I only have a Destroy this week, so oh. I watched. <laughs> well, I watched the the newest Mortal Kombat, and I thought it was horrific. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you're talking about the fatalities, right? They were so horrifically <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um. It was just. It just felt so long. The the main <laughs> actor or the main guy was just like so bad. I I thought um, I don't know. The storyline was kind of all over the place, and it just overall didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But except I mean, for the no. one guy, the one guy was was good. Uh, what was his Kane or Cano? Kano? Yeah, Kano. Yeah. Like he was. Australian. He's a genuine He's Australian, Australian by the way. Yeah. <laughs> So in the in the original Mortal Kombat, because we just covered it on the pod, it's uh, it's an English guy pretending to do an Australian or trying to do an Australian accent that it is. It's not very good, but everyone on set believed he was Australian. Like he actually <laughs> went in pretending to be an Australian person. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's actually apparently that it became canon that Kano's Australian from that first Mortal Kombat right. movie. It wasn't necessarily baked into the games at that point. Um, well, that's what I was wondering that, too when I watched, because you know, I went, I, I just went on another sort of group podcast thing to review the new Mortal Kombat, and that'll be coming out soon for us. But I went and I rewatched the original right beforehand as well, and then so he was Australian in that, and then Australian in the new movie, and I was like, oh, was he Australian in the games? I couldn't remember because I haven't <laughs> played the video games since like you know the nineties. So, exactly, uh, and then there's whatever the hell Christopher Lambert was doing as Raiden. I don't know. <laughs> It was bizarre, man. It is. He's in a different movie. He's like in the Leslie Nielsen version of, of <laughs> it is Mortal strange. Kombat. It is very strange. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's like an impish like uh, elf or something. Yeah. yeah. It's a Mortal Kombat tournament. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, I like Christopher Lambert, but he seemed very out of place in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's pretty much it. I I can't remember anything else. Um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dustin. What do you got? Uh, well, for Seek Out this week, I got a, a couple, I did a sort of a double feature of The Dirty Dozen and the original Inglorious Bastards. Uh, those are basically the two movies that inspired Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. 
not that his movie is a copy of either of those, but there's definitely some heavy, uh, some heavy influence felt. The Dirty Dozen is a great movie. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. I had never seen it before, if you can believe it. Really? Come on. I, yeah. Never watched it. I thought it was great. I thought, I mean, so many good actors in it. Uh, oh, just yeah. Great characters. Uh, and you know, it's not full of action, but it it sets, it takes its time setting up all those characters. So then when you have this giant explosive action sequence at the end of the movie, it, it has some weight to it. And, uh, so I had a lot of fun with that. And then I watched the Inglorious Bastards, which is an Italian movie, the original from, uh, 78. Uh, and this was a lot of fun too. Like it, it has a, the I can't say the cast is nearly as good as in the dirty dozen, but they're fun and like Fred Williamson's in it, which is uh, always fun to see him. And it has like way more action than the Dirty Dozen, so kind of makes up for its shortcomings with uh, just keeping you entertained through the whole thing. And then it has a really awesome set piece at the end that takes place on a train. Uh, so I really enjoyed that as well. I mean, is, I, I, Dirty Dozen's definitely better, but yeah, is it gory? The Inglorious Bastards, the original? Uh, not really. It was '78, so there's there's not a lot of blood or anything like that. There's a little bit. Um, it's more violent just as more people are getting shot and blown up and stuff, but right. it's not really bloody or anything. Yeah. Uh, but then for destroy, uh, last night I watched, um, this movie called crime wave, which was Sam Raimi's second directorial effort after, after the evil dead. And this is, uh, have you, anyways, have any of you guys seen this movie? No. No. Is uh, it a remake? Of no. The 54 noir movie? I don't think there's a connection. I didn't actually look into that, so uh, don't quote me on that. But uh, it's it was co-written by Sam Raimi and the Coen brothers and huh. has Bruce Campbell, among other actors. Um, and it's really terrible. <laughs> You're thinking, I'm like, oh, man, I mean, Sam Raimi, the Coen brothers working together. This is going to be excellent. And there's a reason, like, you haven't heard of this movie. It's it's a spectacular failure, I'd have to say. Um it's just a sla- it's kind of a slapstick comedy, which, you know, you get some of that in other Raimi movies like Army of Darkness and stuff. Uh, so you see mm-hmm. some of that element. There's like a lo- real Looney Tunes vibe going on. Um, and it is like a noir kind of crime thing. But, man, it's just nothing lands. Like the jokes are, are awful. The timing feels off for everything. The only thing good about it is that, you know, he has this creative visual sense of how he's shooting stuff and... Um, presenting it on the screen, just different funny creative sight gags and stuff like that. But mm. and Bruce Campbell is really fun, but he's in it like very, very little. So he's not like the lead by it or anything. So I would say do not uh, don't go back and <laughs> watch that one. <laughs> I think Sam Raimi would actually make a great Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, that'd be interesting. That, yeah, yeah. That's that was. I say this because it's top of mind because we just recorded last night, but. That was one of the things I landed on as like a repitch of the movie is a Sam Raimi version. Bruce Campbell as Johnny Cage. <laughs> Maybe you do it now and he's, yeah. he's old fat Johnny Cage or whatever. But um, it, it, it's, it, it gives it just enough of a twist for all the, the cheesiness and pulpiness of it all to work kind of nicely. <laughs> well, that could, be, that could be an interesting take, though. Old Bruce Campbell, like sort of like a over-the-hill Steven Seagal type who takes himself yeah, very yeah. too seriously. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. That'd be yes. Hilarious. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, Tristan, did you watch anything that you wanted to recommend or avoid? Um, I've watched any new things I've watched in the last 
week or so is a promising young woman. Not not an action movie. Oh, it was good. I like that movie a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And I hadn't watched a good movie in a long time, mostly because a lot of what I watch is ends up being double impact related. So I... It was nice to watch something of a bit more substance. <laughs> yeah, I, I was stuck yeah. in. Uh, we, uh, if you get in, in in our province, if you are in contact with somebody who had COVID, um, like oh, yeah. these certain criteria, you have to go into quarantine for two weeks. Um, so I had to be in quarantine for two weeks. So I just watched movies and TV shows, and I watched it. Then yes, I loved did. it. Yeah, it's really good. It's uh. Not much to say without spoiling anything, but it's just just go in and expect nothing. Amazing um, cast. And the other thing, oh, sorry, yeah, amazing cast. Oh man, so good. She's so good. I never really, I hadn't seen her in much before, and she's good. Anyway, um, Invincible on Amazon. Oh yeah. I, I kind of. Oh yeah. Semi binged over a couple of weeks. Um, it's good. <laughs> I like it, but it's but it's kind of I find it hard to recommend because I think it's a little polarizing. Um, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, we're we're, it's, we're, fans. Um, we're fans on this show. Oh, you're fans, cool. Yeah, I can't quite articulate why I liked it, but it felt fresh, and um, it hits pretty hard in the finale too. Yeah, so no doubt, strong recommend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one I had read the comics for, and so I knew what was coming, but it was still pretty uh, pretty gnarly when you get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to seed my, uh, I got nothing. So I'm just going to seed my time. <laughs> Fascinating. Fair enough. Oh, I'm so fucking sorry. Do you want me to make something up? <laughs> yeah, I re I rewatched <laughs> the entire run of Night Court. It holds up. <laughs> nice. Glad they're remaking it. Bull Is Bull still the best? Bull still <laughs> rules. He died too young. Um, the other lady died too late. Because she was old. Uh, wow. John Larroquette's hilarious. Uh, nice. Harry is funny. Man, these are hard pulls, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched a Night Court since like I was like ten years, nine, eight years old. So, uh, anyway, let's just jump right into the movie if that's okay with you guys. Sounds good. All right, Tristan. Yep. So you picked 2002's. Uh, the Transporter. I did. Uh, so this is a, a, a movie that stars Jason Statham, Shu. Uh, I should probably learn how to say these names. Of other people with foreign names that I'm not going to say. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it's written and produced by Luc Besson. Uh, yeah. So why did you pick this film? Um, so well, it sounds funny when you say 2002 because it doesn't sound all that far away from the movies we cover on our podcast but I did want to break free of the shackles of the 80s and 90s and um, and I'd never seen this movie and I find Luc Besson interesting for good and bad reasons uh, I do like the fifth element um, but some things in his personal life perhaps I'm less uh, <laughs> fond of and um he, yeah, I recently realized that he wrote this and produced it and thought, oh, okay, maybe there's something more interesting happening here than I gave it credit for. And I've, I've been, a, I was a bit late to the party with Jason Statham overall. Um, took me a while to be convinced that he was an action star. Yeah, I'm kind of and, the same. Um, I, I never was really yeah. a Statham fan. It's like they just told us one day that he's an action star. Yeah, totally. Uh, like, really? 
Well, it, he kind of, you know, it's interesting yeah. the way that he sort of popped up on the scene. Like he went from being sort of a model to suddenly he was yeah. in, in those early Guy Ritchie movies. And then from there, that was his launching pad, right? Uh, yeah. But very quickly, it was like, okay, he just puts out a different action movie. Like every, you know, six months, it seems like there's a new Statham joint dropping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like these sort of tier three type of action movies. Not quite straight to video, but might as well be back when that was an issue. Um, less of a big deal these days, I suppose. Um, but yeah, never never got around to watching it. Thought, why not start there? And I don't totally regret my decision, but it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's interesting going back and looking at it now. Like, I, I don't think I've seen it since... I saw it in the theaters when it came out because I was, you know, I would go to anything that had martial arts in it at the time so yeah and and at that time i mean that's the one thing we got to give statham a bit of credit for is that at that time action movies were kind of waning there wasn't like a huge we weren't seeing a a ton of them come out like after the 80s and 90s things really died down um so if we could give him credit for anything it's that he was one of the few guys that was continually putting out action vehicles every every uh like i said every six months or so it seemed like yeah, I mean, action movies in 2002, you got, like, The Minority Report, um, Resident Evil, Blade 2. I guess that's the kind of realm you're working in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen, and now we're seeing a little bit of a resurgence happen. Um, but there was some lean years there, it feels like, in the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's pretty Hong Kong-influenced uh, oh, Absolutely, yeah. film. I mean, they, they brought on, like... Uh, a very experienced uh, like Hong Kong. I think I think it's Hong Kong. Yeah, uh, Corey, Corey yeah. Ewan. Co- yeah, chore- choreographers uh, and stuff like that. Um, it's a movie that I think really pushed Jason Statham. I think it's interesting that you guys don't consider him to be an action because I have always considered him to be that. That's what he is. He's an yeah right. He's an action movie star. Like what? I'm not gonna watch him in like a fucking you know Hamlet. Like well, no, like yeah, that that is what he's known for. But he was always kind of I guess like maybe leading man secondary. Yeah, yeah. he wasn't. Yeah, a, oh, like as a, exactly. as a star, I I I think that he always just had that thing about him though, where he's just such a star. Like he looks, like this guy's an Olympic. Uh, I think he's Olympic diver, mm-hmm. right? Like he's he just I don't know. He's one of those guys. I feel that just guys or girls. That just is something more than normal people. Like, is that bad? Yeah, no, to say? No, no. I think so. I, I mean, it's definitely got some charisma. Yeah. But and, and and don't get me wrong. I'm there now, but I just wasn't really. I you didn't were, find him all that appealing back at the it. time. Yeah, and I think when we redid uh, Lockstock, um, wasn't that long ago. But it sort of reminded me that like, oh, this guy's got something because I feel like sometimes in his action movies, it it, it doesn't let that thing come out as much. Yeah, like he's yeah, he's got the chat, you know, he's got the banter and that kind of thing that doesn't necessarily come through in movies like this, but in movies like Lockstock, and I think that's how Guy Ritchie even found him. He was selling like you know fake perfumes or whatever on the street, mm-hmm. um, riffing on you know that. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even pretend to do it. There's some kind of Cockney thing, I don't know. <laughs> um, but he's got that he's got that charisma in sort of an everyman sense, but. The leading man in an action movie. It took me a while to catch up to that. I feel, yeah. yeah, I feel like the mechanic, which he was in, I think five years later or something like that. 
No, that was a lot yeah. longer. That was in 2011. So almost yeah. like nine years later. I, from what I remember, is like Crank actually was the one oh, that made me oh, like Crank. It. Yeah, Sorry. Crank. Crank. I I think Crank's awesome personally. Yeah, um, that's a good use of him as well. That's just like he's perfect nice. in that. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, but the mechanic, I feel like the mechanic is like a better version of the transporter in a way. Right. Um, I don't remember the mechanic very well. And that's another one I, I remember going to see. And that's a remake of a Charles Bronson movie. That yeah. Um, huh. But I don't remember the details of that. But for some reason, I remembered, uh, you know, certain aspects and scenes from the transporter quite well, which I hadn't seen in, you know, almost 20 years, I think so. Well, I think most people, when you talk about the transporter, most people would say, "Oh no, that like that's a that's an awesome movie, and it's Statham, so yeah, like that that's an awesome movie." But most people probably haven't seen it or heard the time. or heard the soundtrack. Yeah, or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the soundtrack. Yeah, that's definitely a note I took. Was wow, this is this music is fucking awful. Like, this I didn't know Euro whether. Trash. Yeah, it was like a, a softcore porn that was going to break out, <laughs> or or what was going on. Uh, so cool. I think that Ooh. I think that we'll we'll get more into this, but I think we're dipping the toe into what makes Luc Besson. Uh, I mean, arguably a fantastic filmmaker or one of the worst <laughs> filmmakers possibly of his generation. Um, he he has this Euro trash. Like you said, sensibility. Yeah, and questionable things. I, I would I would say this movie isn't that questionable. They don't really do that much. I mean, they do some weird sex stuff uh, in the movie, but like, he's just I don't know. Like you know, like Tristan said, Luc Besson is a tough person to talk about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got into him a little bit. We did the when we did the Fifth Element, um, but. Yeah, so interesting, interesting is a good word we keep saying. <laughs> creepy. Uh, creepy, uh, creepy Are we baiting around the bush? Do we need to, I'll just say it. I yeah. mean, the guy, like, the, uh, from what I understand, the professional is based on a relationship he had with a 15-year-old girl. Uh, like, to, Is it based on that? So, so Luke, so he... He, uh, he married a 16-year-old. So around the time that the, the professional came out, uh, he impregnated and a 15 year old girl who he later married at the age of 16. Uh, they later divorced and she says that the professional is based on their relationship. She's also the, um, the blue lady in uh, fifth element, right? Yeah. She's the opera lady. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, and so if nothing, and then he left her for Mila Jovovich in the making of that movie. Yeah. So he just sounds like a real, Hey, that's all questionable. Then on top of all that, just a dirt bag. Hey, James, well. do like, we have a lot of French listeners? Because <laughs> I'm allowed to say that Luc Besson just sounds French to me, <laughs> uh, having no understanding of the French culture. Uh, it's it, he's just I don't know. He he's a I, I have a hard time watching his films personally. Yeah, it was tough when we did Fifth Element. I only came across all those bits right at the end of my research, just before, like an hour before we were to record the episode. And throughout the process up until that point, I'm like, I love this guy. He's so weird. And I love this movie and yada, 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 yada. And then, oh, oh, yeah. The guy that made The Professional also married a 16-year-old and she had his baby. And then, oh, my God. It was a different time. 
No, it wasn't. No, the nineties. No. <laughs> Dustin, no, just because you're. We accepted those kind of things back in the eight, in the eighteen nineties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that you could also say that. I mean, just to kind of maybe put the Luke Besson stuff maybe to rest a little bit. The yeah. back half of his career is not. Not as compelling shine, as, as the front it's, half. It's yeah. not a beacon of like uh, of of hey guys, this this guy's amazing. He yeah, like he kind of. I, I was out. thinking about this the other day. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day because there's a few guys like this where you see one of their movies, and you're like, this guy's a genius. This is a new voice. We're about to we're witnessing a new thing here emerge, and he's one of them. Another one would be Richard Kelly. Mm. With um, Donnie Darko, right, and then all the subsequent films being total yeah, and trash, then you have Southland. and it's yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which apparently exactly. a lot of people hold up people to be a masterpiece. Really like that movie, yeah. It's got a following. <sighs> I haven't watched it in a long time. I, I could got give it another go through it once. Yeah, right. And I was a huge fan. Like yeah, same. I oh, I was a massive fan, and I, I think I was like trying to like it too, and yeah. So I wonder it's if that's tough. a case of like, you know, on the early projects, they're being reined in by people, by producers, yeah. by investors and the studios. And then uh, once they get a bit of clout, uh, a blank check, as another podcast might put it. Um, yeah. Much then, more popular, a better podcast. Would <laughs> then uh, maybe <laughs> that's you know, a good they have podcast. A free reign to, to explore all their weird uh their weird trajectories like you know that's one thing i do like about some of Bassan's stuff like at least he's kind of weird and comes at things from a weird angle you know like that valerian yeah movie, i can't say that it was good but it was pretty interesting and totally different so that- agree I'd, I'd rather see a big swing and a miss than something that's just the same as everything else Yeah, i don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or if we've talked about it at all but like uh seth rogan talks about uh, studios reining a person in and he's like all I wanted was to do whatever I wanted to do and then we made um, the, the interview, interview. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we he's like after he made that film he's like I realized I'm, I'm paraphrasing and I might be fucking this up but maybe <laughs> it's good sometimes to get reined in like yeah maybe you should get some notes mm-hmm. so yeah that's interesting. Yeah, it's. It, it, I mean, that kind of cuts both ways. We love to shit on studios for, you know, dampening a a tour's vision, but we don't understand how many times uh, a studio saves a filmmaker yeah. from himself or herself, right? Yeah, I think that's uh, a good point, uh, and it's and you don't hear about that as often as you hear about the inverse, right? Yeah, no director is going to come out and say, "Oh man, I was going to completely fuck this thing up," but then luckily, <laughs> but then luckily the studio two, executive, yeah, came two to me suits and came down and gave me some notes. Yeah, and, and I was like, "Yeah, this makes sense." But. Well, you hear about it the most when, like, especially in the '90s when they're. They're cutting like a two-hour movie down to ninety minutes, right? Mm. Nowadays, I mean, you just make a four-hour movie, right? Like, yeah. And have James free was rain. A, James Snyder is a cut. born yeah. James is a born producer, <laughs> so like he like obviously is going to side with the producers. Oh, for sure, because he's cutting uh, that fucker down. It a movie shouldn't be longer than ninety minutes, and if it is, just make two movies. <laughs> well, th- th- this is my issue with the Snyder cut. While I agree, it's better. 
it, it kind of is the whole point, the whole challenge in creating a movie is being able to complete your vision exactly. within the time but allowed. Exactly. Like, I, I, exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be completely honest. I haven't seen either. I, That's I refuse to watch them. But are you, if yeah. you compare horse shit to cow shit <laughs> and you prefer one, exactly. it doesn't take to change the fact that they're both shit. Uh, yeah, I, I, but I think a bit like the Luke Besson thing. I think at least it's like a take, like it's a, it's the, something there's a, he, there's <laughs> that a, is a point of view, a voice in there somewhere. That exactly, yeah, the, yeah. Whether or not it translates always to something uh, really compelling is a whole other debate. But uh, okay, so yeah. I think his original voice with the transporter is he's like a twelve-year-old <laughs> boy's understanding of action movies and relationships and. <laughs> Uh, just man, everything. it could be because because I think he wrote a lot of stuff as a kid. Like this could have been one of those ones he wrote when he was young. Because you're right, it does read. I like mean, that. all all <laughs> the stuff with um, the actress, yeah, Shu Kui Ki, yeah, yeah. Like it, it's just it's so brutal, and she she has like no character development whatsoever, other than she's a woman who fills that woman role in the movie. That's it. Uh, you well, know, I, yeah. I'm going to... I'm going to her a little bit later on not, in the movie. Not really, she's, though. She's the one who wants to free these... Uh, these. We haven't talked about the movie at all. We've been talking about Lucas. No. Uh, she wants <laughs> We've been talking about better movies. Uh, hostages <clears throat> that are in a cargo yeah. container. Well, right? well, let's stop for a second. Tristan, uh, I don't know. If, do you have a computer in front of you? I don't know if you have this ability or you can just do it off the top of your head. Yeah. Do you want to give just like a synopsis of what this film's about, which is what we usually do at the very beginning? <laughs> Before we get go on a big tangent. Look, I think uh, the transporter... The transporter is... Uh, this is from Off the Dome. The transporter is the story of uh, one man with an ability like no other to, to transport precious cargo... <laughs> He's got three or so rules. They seem very important to him, although relatively uh, generic. No, yeah. no names. <laughs> yeah. Never, never open a package. And I forget what the third one was. What was the third one? I'm digging this statham. Uh, I'm liking your, your statham <laughs> fucking rules. You, uh, the third <laughs> one is uh, you don't change the contract. Oh no, no changes or something yeah, like that. Yeah, well, you should have had one. And, um, you don't fuck the package. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like hey, there wasn't a rule, man. I I told you there's three rules. There's no rules about package sex. He's 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 doing his thing. He's transporting things all over town, and he's we see how good he is at it. We see how strict he is with the rules. And then one day, one package, everything changes. Um, in fact, <laughs> I was watching it with my wife, and uh, she almost predicted the plot as it happens. She's, he's probably going to meet a girl soon and then he opens the boot and there's someone in the boot and oh, that's probably the girl now. Anyway, he opens the package. This package is an actual human being, if you can believe it. Uh, he opens the package feeling somewhat sympathetic, immediately regrets it because this package, a.k.a. Um, Shu Ki, was that her yeah. name? Um, she escapes, she runs off, uh, but things are not what they seem because maybe she was actually a good guy. Who's good, who's bad? Nobody knows anymore. He eventually delivers the package Um the, the people that uh, hired him realize that he has seen too much and try and explode him. Luckily, he stopped for a refreshing Orangina um, oh, and, oh, and avoided the explosion. Up later. Are they sponsors or Orangina what? Orangina and uh, Tiger Beer. Yeah, 
Yeah, Tiger Beer, the beer of Europe. Yeah, the apparently. beer that is. Like, um. <laughs> he goes into a tiny little cafe in like the is it the the south of France, and there's a fucking cut yeah. case of Tiger Beer, <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, he goes back, seeks revenge, kills a lot of people. Um, him and the girl go off. She pretends to be his maid. Uh, she repays him with sex at some point. Yeah. Will they? Won't they? Well, they did. Will they? Won't they again? <laughs> Um, <laughs> and um, big battle Humans in containers uh, Get rescued yeah. By the transporter himself I love that it's like Because he's a transporter The thing he needs to save Needs to also be a mode of transport yeah. So once <laughs> once she says But there's 200 people In a shipping container He's like Shipping container <laughs> <laughs> go, I'm the go fucking on, transporter that, that rings a bell Yeah <laughs> Nothing gets transported without me You know it's um. <laughs> <laughs> it writes itself this thing yeah yeah, yeah and then and that's the like end of the movie that. i yeah. actually I, I, can, can we do the, hi i'd like to speak with jason statham <laughs> for a second can i talk with jason statham yeah <laughs> uh can we just do the rest of the podcast with jason uh, <laughs> <laughs> i have very limited uh vocabulary this, with i'm gonna jason ask statham. you your favorite swear word uh just like james <laughs> <laughs> well, he's Australian, so we already know what his favorite uh, his uh, favorite That's gonna, swear word is. It's gonna be the c word. Yeah, it's uh, with, yeah. with every every Australian that we have on, it's always the c word. Yeah, I mean, we don't use it too. Well, we probably use it more than other people. But have you met an it's, American? It's a very powerful they word. Use it. Yeah, I learned that the hard way. I used to live in New York. Oh, really? Oh. And um, I learned to censor myself quite a bit. <laughs> Even just words that aren't swear words, but just words that don't mean anything outside of Australia. A lot of the abbreviations and Give things. Give me one example before we move on. Um, calling mosquitoes mozzies. Yeah, that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, But the, I was there for five years and even in the fifth year I'd get picked up on something. Someone says, what, what, what does that mean? And then I realized, how long have I been saying this and no one has <laughs> corrected me? Well, they just ignore you. Yeah. Again, <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah, don't mind him, he's Australian. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the movie is actually a, a fairly kind of a fun idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I think that this is something that could be easily be redone. Uh, like, don't make Transporter, don't don't remake this film, guys. Just steal the idea and make exactly. a new movie, please. Like John Wick, but in the daytime with cars. Well, we, you know, it's... it's Yeah. It could be something like that. Yeah, I mean, like Baby all, Driver 2. Baby Driver 2. I mean, this, yeah, this Baby Driver right after, yeah. uh, or not long after the Born Identity, right? I think maybe the next year. So you definitely get some mm. of the vibes from that with the car chases. But then you have, I don't know, it feels like with this thing, Bassan's kind of compiling a whole bunch of stuff into one movie. And we just talked yeah. about the movie The Driver uh, a few episodes ago. And I wouldn't say that this is heavily influenced by that, but it is about a driver who has rules that he has to follow. And so I, I thought that was uh, That's true. interesting yeah. that they that came up again so soon after we had done that other movie. Tristan, yeah. have, you, have uh, you seen that movie? I have Oh, not. I highly, highly recommend watching The Driver. Right. Uh, what what yeah, year is that? It's a big... Seven? 78. It's a big influence on um, Michael Mann and like uh, Tarantino uh, and, and Baby Driver and Drive are clearly like directly influenced by it. Yeah, it's yeah, right. excellent, excellent film. I do want to talk about the first car chase scene. I don't know about you guys, but I had to watch it over again because I had to count how many cuts <laughs> there are. Mm-hmm. And in 
four and a half minutes, there is over 225 cuts. That. Oh, wow. Jesus. You, you, you were sitting there with like a, a little clicker and... Like, it's insane. <laughs> I it's, imagine James just like, just like tallying so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, if that's like a minute or that's like a, a cut every second or a cut every one and a half seconds. So like this is something that I think that maybe... I know I can't speak to you as much, but it feels like this is in the the, the very beginning part of a shift in filmmaking. Yes, uh, like in I action said, filmmaking. Born, a year after the Born Identity, where you have those quick cuts, right? Yeah, and this yeah. movie feels like it was made just before better movies came out, um, like the Born Identity. Like the Born Identity is a better movie. Like oh, a, absolutely. Such, oh, yeah. like, like the car chases are are, are even way better. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't want to. Uh, no, I'm not going to say it, it's a European version they, of that. Even when they shoot the hand-to-hand <laughs> stuff, like is I think influenced by that. Like you're seeing a shift. I think you're you're right. Where we're not staying panned out on on a fight scene, a hand-to-hand scene. We're having a lot of quick cuts to different angles, back and forth. Now I think you do get some lingering shots in this that allow you to have a good idea of what's happening physically on the screen. Uh, with the action, but like not it's too many though. It's definitely well as the movie goes on, I think you get a bit more. Yeah, but it's definitely true. like it's definitely choppy in a way that um, we don't like to watch now. Like it's not like a John yeah. Wick where you're seeing every move in one take, uh, a, a judo takedown into a roll, into a shooting a guy into right, a cho- whatever. Right. And, I mean, yeah. the the cuts remind me of like the first Transformers movie where it's like you don't know what the hell's going on. There's so many cuts of like you know Optimus Prime, and you don't know what the hell. As soon as Shia LaBeouf stopped over to help that girl with engine trouble, I turned that movie off. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, uh, I, so this kind of goes to the question of like, do you give this movie special treatment? Like Tristan was talking about, not special treatment, but uh, do you look at it through a different lens because of when it came out, and did it maybe? kick off a, a not kick off a genre but like help with the style like you do you understand what i'm talking about like mm-hmm. it's always tricky to talk about films like this in that in in that way is it a i'm also curious because it's not really my area of expertise but i know there was like luke besson was one creative force here but there was also the hong kong side of things too like is it a hong kong thing those cuts i'm not really well no i don't i don't think it is because i mean there is definitely a strong hong kong influence with Corey Yu and now from what i understand that he's co-directed this with louis leterrier so leterrier apparently directed the non-action parts of the movie and Corey Ewan directed the action scenes Uh, but i don't think i don't really buy that Corey Ewan is the one that that would have done the cuts cuts like that because you know he directed well, he directed Yes, Madam, James, for example. Yeah. Uh, and he directed, you know, some older Jet Li movies and stuff on, uh, back in Hong Kong and, and even, I think, a Jackie Chan. But uh, with them, you really get a big, a bigger view of what's going on in your fight scenes. And it's really easy to tell what's happening, who's doing what, uh, what's the geography of the of the of where they're fighting and all that stuff. Whereas in the... Because in the, you've got good fighters too, right? So you can right. probably do the longer takes. James talks things, about this. Yeah. James talks about this talks about this with Jackie Chan movies where like the action is like set the the camera yeah, is set up in a, a way that watch it. It's a stationary camera. It's right. The camera doesn't move. And because like Jackie Chan talks about this, the difference between Hong Kong and North American 
movies is in Hong Kong, he, when he films a movie, he wants, you want to see everything, not just like what's happening between the main character and like one other guy. You want to see this other guy that's coming and the, Mm. all the surrounding that that's happening. But like when he came over and did like rush hour, for example, there is, there's so much quick cuts that you before the punch lands, they cut mm, it right. to a different angle. Yeah. And in a Hong Kong movie, you see that follow through. So it's more impactful. And yeah. in a movie like Rush Hour or like a North American movie, it's not as much impact. You don't feel the they're fight. Trying to, they're trying to do stylistic uh, things that that to action fans or at least certain action fans maybe feel like it takes away from the fight a bit. I feel I, I, it takes I, away. I, mm, I, sure. I don't, I have a hard time believing that Corey Ewan would have had the, all those cuts in these fight no. scenes. But now, he's think, just, yeah. he directed there's still, there's still really good stuff happening in the fights. Yeah. Oh, so let me just say this, just because he directed it though, doesn't mean he had any, any say over final cut. Oh, sure. I, I'm sure. So, not. but you can like, I, I had to look it up when I was watching the film, though, to see who was involved in this film, because all of the hand to hand stuff is so Hong Kong influenced. Like, exactly. It's uh, but, but it's then the way it's it, but then the way it's chopped up. Like, that's what the thing is about this movie. It feels like two styles clashing with each other. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's yeah. that's a huge like the drawback, because you have this like Hong Kong style where you're feeling the punches, like James said, you're feeling the impacts. Uh, there's a scene when he, uh, near the end, when he actually um, gets to the, like the container holding the people, right? And he's in yeah. like close, close, closed quarters and he's fighting guys on both sides and he's like mm-hmm. using the doors and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like so Hong Kong style. Right, but the cuts are kind of taking away from it a bit. Like you're not seeing like the the people actually mm. get hit, and you're it kind of you lose a little bit of like the the natural flow of what the like the stunt coordinators want from what I, my perspective of seeing like the impact of the hits and stuff like that and like the follow through. Yeah. So it actually loses some. So like you're not actually feeling the visceral like guy getting hit and then being like, oh, that's crazy. Because it cuts too quick, and yeah, you're I mean, just, it, I, it's kind of lost. It, as the movie goes on, I do think it gets a little better with that stuff. And like, I mean, maybe the uh, you, you, Corey Ewan is shooting action in a way that it's it's so good that it's even chopping it up. You can't completely remove uh, the excellence of the action. Like, there is some really good stuff happening mm-hmm. there. Even like you're saying, John, in the cargo container fight. You get that moment where Statham is kind of wrapping three guys up, yeah. and he's doing those kicks back and forth, yeah. like swinging his legs. So you do get some of that stationary stuff, but it, you know those moments are like peppered in instead of like a constant flow sort of thing. But you what I what I feel like is lost in that sense is that like you lose the fun of the Jackie Chan style, which it kind of like mimics. Where he's fighting mm-hmm. three guys and he's improvising and he's using their clothes. And yeah. he's using all this stuff and it gets kind of lost because while those cuts are less and the, 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 the scenes are a little bit longer, it's just still doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't hit okay. the same way. So that brings up a, a perfect scene in this movie where you get that Jackie Chan style, that Hong Kong style, 
where they're in the bus garage and they got the oil all over the floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because the, I think that's the scene that most people remember from this yeah, movie. Yeah, because that's the scene where he's using all the things around him, including, um, you know, his shirt. Grace. And he, he uses <laughs> yeah. the pedals from the bike, you know. <laughs> Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, the best sequence of the movie. Sorry, Tristan. Yeah, I think so. I think we're just stepping all over. Oh, it is. No, 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 not at all. I just, I just was having a, a uh, emotional reaction to the grease scene because it's, it's so greasy. It's uh, <laughs> you like, it's you like that grease. <laughs> you're real. It was so funny. Old school, you're it was old school grease boy, aren't you? It, yeah, it's man. Dirty. It's uh. <laughs> It was so bizarre. I mean, I'm on board. It was fun, but the funniest part of that is when he is. The funniest part is when he when he dumps the grease over over everything, and then he's like lying down, and the grease is above him, and And then he's like, "Let's do this," and he just dumps himself like a dirty little like a dirty little oil boy, and he's like (laughs) flopping around like a little piggy. Well, who didn't? Who yeah. doesn't want to see uh, Jason Statham all greased up? He's a fucking on. smoke. That show must have been the pitch, movie, by the way. Absolutely, young Jason Statham's a smoke show. Yeah, you don't. You can't tell what, when he's got the shirt on, but then when he's shirt off, grease on. <laughs> Jeez Louise, <laughs> it all comes to light. I think Statham's My wife actually enjoyed got, that part. He's got two uh, phases. He's got uh, uh, business casual, or he's got uh, <laughs> shirt off, grease on. Uh, yeah, that's it. He's got yeah, t- like Groundscaper yeah, Willie. He's got he's got he's got two <laughs> gears. Uh, well, we should probably rewind a little bit and go through some of these plot details, uh, as as <laughs> hilarious as they are. Uh, so, like you're saying, he, he gets that package, finds out it's a person. Um, then he goes and we meet the vi- like the main villain of the movie, Wall Street. Mm. Wall Street, yeah. Uh, and did you guys recognize this guy, <laughs> Matt Schulz? No. He's in like five things. Well, he's in uh, he's in like a few of the Fast and the Furious movies. He's the one that like Dom feels betrayed oh, him or whatever. Oh yeah, and then he's always like, "Hey, your family, you come back, <laughs> your family." Right. Uh, he looks like a total like asshole in this movie, which is perfect. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. he's actually really good in this. But I was surprised to see how few yeah. few things he's in. Uh, like he's in like Blade Two. He's in. Pacific oh, yeah. Blue, a TV show, Charmed, Seventh Heaven, James's favorite show. No, he's done a lot of TV. <laughs> in this movie, he says a line like later on in the movie where uh, Statham's like, you know, why did you you tried to blow me up? And he's like, hey man, you broke the rule. And it's like, which is kind of yeah, fair. Yeah, right? that's totally fair. He totally has a reason to blow him up. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, at that point, I was like, "Fuck, man, you're the one that yeah. <laughs> you brought up all these, these rules that you rules. immediately broke." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's he's right. <laughs> the yeah, villain is the right. right, completely. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is you're on the side of human trafficking. <laughs> yeah, I realized as I said that he's not right about everything. What you know, life is a black and white. You got your Luke Bessons out there you're separating the art from the artist. I think in this instance, um, old mate, what's his name? Wall Street. Yeah, he made a very good. He made a valid point. I'm. I'm. He's still wrong. I back but... his stance on following the rules, but I, I'm anti-human trafficking for the most part. <laughs> we didn't part. really talk about how this movie uh, is like <laughs> low-key super racist either. Like it's Give all. Us it's some all examples. Well, it's all about how like I'm assuming they're they're, they're Chinese, I think, um, but like how these people are like slave trading themselves for money, 
and how like these like the these are probably the first generations in a while that have been rich because like of what's happened in China and now they've separated themselves where like the the father doesn't want to talk he doesn't want to speak in Chinese because he's trying to not be Chinese while the daughter is trying to connect with her culture. Oh, right. And he says he has that line right. about how he spent all the money on her English lessons. Yeah. It's all about, it's all about a person like trying to separate themselves from their, from their culture um, to be more white. And part of the reason, the way they do that is through the slave trade, right? It, it's all yeah, a right. callback to like actual things that have happened throughout history. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's just it, and but like not not actually history. What I mean by that is is stories that white supremacists tell each other about how it's not white people who enslave people; it's their own people enslaved them. So it's not right. white people's fault that there was. Oh, I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, sorry, that was a little convoluted. It's not how white people enslaved them; like their own people sold them into slavery and if it wasn't for their own people so like, you know what I mean but the white people are there to buy them but that but that's <laughs> they're, but they're secondary they're secondary to that because if right. their own people didn't sell them they never would have been slaves in the first place and they spe- ex- explicitly say in this film that um, these people will be sold into slavery right when she's pretending right. that the people in the container is her father right um I'm kind of, I have a big question mark on their relationship, her relationship with her father. And like, they love each other. Why she was in the trunk? Like, I don't, I don't get all that. His dad sold her out. His dad or her, her dad. Her dad sold her out, I think. Because it's, it's, it's not really clear in the movie. Because Sta- Statham says, well, I think it was Statham that was like, well, why was she in, why was she the package or something? Or maybe it was her. And then he was just like, you don't understand. You you don't know anything. But there's no explanation of why. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, but, but actually, why? But then at, <laughs> logistically, what was at happening? At the end, uh, the dad's got Statham like with a gun and is going to yeah. shoot him. And then the daughter, you hear a bunch of shots in the in the background. And then the dad's like, well, I guess she didn't make it or something like that. Yeah. And he's totally like. Them's the breaks. <laughs> no, but okay. But at that moment, you get the impression that he still cares about his daughter and he was hoping that didn't He was happen. hoping things would turn out the way that he wanted them to, but they but, didn't. So. But he was okay with them not turning out that way. Yeah, but I just, it still doesn't explain. But why was she in the boot in the first place? Yeah, why was she in the trunk well, in yeah, the first place? That doesn't explain See, that. boot is another James, one. get, get Bassan on the horn. Let's, <laughs> let's get to the bottom of this. What time? Because when when he's when the dad's revealed at the in that office or whatever, he shows yeah. up and he's so happy to see her. So it sounds like it didn't read as like he's surprised she's alive or yeah, something. He true. was like, he was like, oh hey daughter, what's up? Um, so I don't know who put her in that bag. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Interesting. I'm gonna anyways. say the dad was implicit. Like, he was like, uh, what's the word? Yeah. Well, he, he was in on have, it. At least he had to have known because he's he's in business with this Wall Street guy, and it doesn't seem yeah. like there's supposed to be any kind of a betrayal between them. By the way, I've met yeah. a lot of people who have owned businesses and run businesses. No one is this hands on. 
Okay. <laughs> like, like usually the guy who's like You got to make sure your human trafficking shipment yeah, gets where it's going. Usually the guy who owns the gigantic sausage company doesn't make the sausage, right? <laughs> but this Wall Street just loves getting his hands dirty. He wants to be there when the handoff <laughs> is for the fucking Chinese slaves. Well, that's a good point cuz when he first shows up, I thought he was just a henchman. He had henchman vibe. Yeah. Like he was the He's the annoying. He's the loose cannon one, but there's a more serious. Well, I guess the. Dad but then when he, of, they yeah. show up at his office, yeah. he's got like a guy who owns failing travel business vibe. Yeah, yeah. He does. <laughs> like, that, guy, oh. that guy's old. That guy is just yeah. selling cruises to seniors. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't know. Nobody in this movie makes sense, including Jason Statham. That's true. There's this otherworldly thing happening here. And I think it's so. I think this weird French mixed with Hong Kong thing cuts both ways. There's some negative things around it in terms of the fast cuts we we're talking about, but there's also this some weird magical thing happening where it's just a bizarre. It just feels different when you're watching it. There's something different about it, which I don't know if it's a great thing, but it was. It had me interested. Yeah, you also get um, like, like hardcore James Bond vibes. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. With the parachuting scene. The parachuting scene, the like, you know, his house blows up, which I want to talk about right, that. But yeah. his house blows up and then he, you know, he's got his scuba gear all set up underneath. <laughs> right. and, like that, yeah. like all that kind of shit is just, you know, very James Bond. Uh, well, let's talk about that house sequence. You know, this is once he's he has shuki at his house he's like untied her and she is oh this is this even after they've had sex already i think it is no no they oh, haven't no. had sex yet oh it's right after this this is when they're they break into the his neighbor's house right and uh, uh yeah so they, they the guys come to kill him there because they learned that he wasn't killed by that explosion in the car uh yeah he, he goes back to the wall street's house and kicks everyone's ass and there's some good bits in there in the fighting um, and we, and you, this is, you know, you get that idea, like we were talking about, you know, it took you guys a while to accept Statham as an action guy. Uh, I think because this was pretty early on and I had seen this in the theater, I, I, I took him as an action guy pretty early just because he yeah. has the, he has the charisma, he has the look mm-hmm. and he does most of his own stunts in the movie. And like, you can clearly see him doing a lot of this martial arts stuff. So I was like, okay, well yeah. that's more than most of the people were doing at the time. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of bought into him early on as an action guy. Now that's not to say I thought all his movies were really great, but uh, but him I find very likable and watchable. Um, mm. But yeah, so once he's kicked those guys' asses, he's back at his house, and they come to try to kill him again because now they found out he's still alive, and they shoot missiles <laughs> like rockets into his. Oh yeah. His did, house. did you notice something missing <laughs> from that scene though? That was, was in that? the trailer. Oh, so he deflects oh. a missile with a with a, tra- a tray, right? Like a serving with tray. With a tray, yeah. So in the trailer, what he? Yeah, he. Why would you cut that out? <laughs> Put it in twice. Oh my god. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so that was in the trailer. That missile was, uh, and that would have been a very intelligent missile too. Yeah. Oh thing. yeah, that how it goes like around and then through the house to find. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like the blue shell in Mario Kart. That thing. <laughs> it was. <laughs> that was bizarre. And you get oh, that was amazing. But yeah, stop it with a frying pan. That's fucking great. I'm into that. Yeah. Oh. 
Director's cut. Statham wanted the it, best on uh, cut. Statham wanted it cut because he thought it was unrealistic. <laughs> I'm surprised. Funny. I'm right. surprised Statham didn't catch it with his teeth. <laughs> yeah, but is it did? Um, maybe I saw the trailer because it did feel like something like that was supposed to happen, rather than it just exploding. Right I away. think that would have made it just uh, next level. Really? <laughs> yeah, I feel like it starts to click a bit then because the whole thing's ridiculous. Oh yes, for sure. If if you do something like that, it really just clicks it over into oh okay, that's the movie. That goes into like that's... Fast and Furious vibes, All right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, I was thinking as well. Why it would have been interesting if he played the same character in Fast and the Furious. Oh, that's true. Um, that's not a, that's not um, a Luke probably Bissong different studios and things. But, but yeah. do you guys remember um, Kiss of the Dragon? Yeah, Jet Li. Or, yeah, that's another Luc Besson. Oh, was he produced that as well? Yeah, so yeah, I, that had a that had a right. French villain. So as well it's it. it's all about. Wait, it takes place in France, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it's all about like there was uh-huh. that time when they were trying to smash together like European, Asian, or European American films, and I think that he yeah. was the driving force behind it. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. No, I don't think so. It's just. I think there's good elements to it yeah. in this as well. I can't quite articulate what that is. It's more of a vibe thing, but it felt there was something about this that felt kind of fresh. And yeah, I think the more that you can mix different cultures and genres into movies, the more yeah. interesting it's going to be for the most part. I mean, Liam Neeson but, certain, certainly we've spent a lot of time talking about American movies that were influenced by Hong Kong cinema. Mm. So yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. interesting to see also, of course, that there was European uh, cinema also being influenced by that. Yeah. Uh, and it's we, not a surprise, right? Like everyone, it makes sense. You, you take, you take what you've been doing and it's like, well, okay, these guys have a, an approach that is exciting right now. Let's incorporate some of that into what we're doing. Or well, they grew up on Hong Kong. And it, film. Yeah. But totally could be that too. Right. Yeah. Or is it something like this is one of those films where you get like, the extreme version of this style action and then you have like the extreme the other way and then somewhere in the middle is where we end up i don't think everything about the two styles coming together works in this because yeah. i i enjoy the action in the movie for the most part i think it's pretty good but the story stuff the music the the plot the some of the, the acting, music oh man the music dustin uh, uh, yeah, the music is among, is among <laughs> the worst we've we've had on the on the show. I think this is yeah. Tristan, that's why Tristan <laughs> picked it. <laughs> I mean, I am trying to remember the music. I can't. It's got really uh, bad like can, Euro techno, and then it and then enter, every once in a while yeah, right. they play like a sort of like hard gangster rap song that they drop in there, which feels weird. Yeah, watching, all of a sudden the N words popping up. This British guy in France, white British guy in France, is driving a car around with an Asian lady, and they're listening to like gangster yeah. rap. I'm watching the film with subtitles on. Like I, I watch, I watch most movies with subtitles. I watch most things with subtitles, and all of a sudden, I'm seeing and hearing the N word, and I'm like, "Where? Like, who authorized this?" <laughs> Luke yeah. Like, like, yeah. like Luke. Yeah. Like, seriously, dude. Like, calm down. Like your your choices are already suspect. You don't need any more heat. <laughs> uh, we yeah. didn't talk about the cop though. Okay, so the cop, I really like him. He was great. He's the best yeah. actor yeah. in the movie, right? Is For he sure. in a different? He's movie? the best because yeah, I want to watch movie. that movie. <laughs> right? He's in other movies, mostly French stuff. John, John did you ever see that thriller? Uh, Tell no one. Yes, French, French movie. I think it was actually based on like a Harlan Coben novel, which is an yes, American novel. It's the one but with the dead girl 
but she might woman the dead wife mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he gets clues that like years yeah, later he, that she's alive right i think we yeah. might have watched that together we might have yeah so yeah he's in that um but yeah if you look at his his resume it's mostly french and european movies i would love to well, watch he's it. in all the transporter movies yeah he's in the yeah i would love to watch a like a tv oh. show where he is just a de- like a like a Columbo style detective, oh yeah, s- solving yeah. crimes. I mean, he's a, he's so good. He's such a good actor. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, it, it, yeah. it kind of highlights how bad everyone around him is in a way. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. He raises the bar too high. <laughs> so and what, that, is this, what is this real? It ruins what the is this Real actor doing in this movie? But you yeah. know, I think that that's something that's actually kind of nice because often we're disappointed when celebrated actor that we really like or whatever like shows up in one of these movies and it's like oh dude like you you suck like this sucks like this guy (laughs) is just coming in and being like oh no like you truly understand your craft and you're doing something and you're elevating everything around you and it's just like you get to just walk on water like you're just clean like you you're good like there's nothing bad to say about you is he in all of them? Did yeah, you say? He's, in, well, he's in at least the first three, yeah. the ones with Statham in them. Oh, is there yeah, more right. beyond that? They're, they made a fourth movie uh, much later that had a totally different guy in it. Um, oh, Chadwick Boseman. It's The Transporter Refueled, <laughs> uh, 2015. It's that guy, um, Screen? Ed Screen, yeah. He's in Deadpool, he's in uh, <clears throat> Alita Battle Angel, some other stuff, but I don't know. Really... Equally British... Why do I know that name? Yeah, I recognize the name, but I don't, I'm looking at his face and it doesn't look all that familiar to me. Dude is jacked. He would, he'll do well in a grease fight. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, the, well. that's the prerequisite for getting yeah. cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, wait, hang on. We haven't covered an important topic. So it's Hong Kong meets France. The protagonist played by an Englishman. But what is he supposed to be American? Maybe it might be harder for you guys to pick up because your accents are, <laughs> are actually North American. But like his accent, I don't know, did it sound strange to you? There were certain words he was I, pronouncing. I didn't notice. Yeah. It's like he gave up halfway too. Yeah, to Sorry, me yeah, it just sounded like a subdued British accent. Like he, So when he's in a Guy Ritchie film, he's coming so hard with, mm. that, yeah. with that like I'm from wherever – he, yeah, I, I don't want to guess where he comes from, but yeah, there's so many the different British there's accents. So many, yeah. But like he's leaning into it so hard, whereas it feels in this movie he's more like I'm kind of just androgynously British. Yeah, that's what I thought it might sound like because uh, to to Americans, Canadians, not Americans. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> in that, uh, because to me as an Australian, which is I guess maybe closer to English. Uh, English accent. There are certain things like if I'm trying to do an American accent, there are certain words I hit differently, and he's doing some of them. Like instead of saying he's trying to say like instead of can't, he'll be like can't. But then the rest of the sentence won't be won't fall into place. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I wonder it's, if, I it's wonder bizarre. If he was directed to do that because this was still early in his career. He'd done he'd done the two Guy Ritchie movies, and he yeah. did a couple. He did like the one with Jet Li and a couple things in between those. But this was still pretty early on, and I wonder if people were like, "Hey, tone it down." Uh, yeah, you know, it'll make you more attractive. Because I, yeah. I did, yeah. but but I think the other thing is is like you're, you're bringing up something interesting. That's like if you think about it, your accent is as British 
as our as our accent. Like we're both derived from the same thing. Oh like, right, you were yeah. both colonies. We've just gone in different directions. That's true. You just leaned into uh, what we would consider being more British, and well, what you, a, you would consider probably sounding dumber. This is interesting because I want to know, Tristan, if you can tell the difference between, yeah. well, you spent time in New York. So I want to know if you can tell the difference between an American accent and a Canadian one. Generally, yes. But to your point, I think a lot of Canadians, once they're in the U.S., they, 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 they adapt, adapt to their accent Can you a tell bit. that we're yeah. Canadian? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm interested. Interesting. Can I mean, you give I can us? Tell the, we can tell the difference between an Australian and a New Zealand accent, so it makes sense. It no, no, there's certain you words, can, yeah, right? Man, I'm an idiot. S- yeah, say uh, say M and M. Eminem. Eminem. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, the Kiwi might be like Eminem, and I'd say Eminem. I'm influenced by. And then South Africa. The difference with South Africa, Australia, New Zealand are just all the vowels are mixed right. up. That's that's basically the difference that Different I can tell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I always can tell the difference They're between very um, like the uh, uh, it's water is a huge word. Uh, water, yeah. it's water. how you pronounce the word water. Water, yeah, yeah. Because I I I, I, was, I used to be friends with this uh, British girl, and she said that the most annoying word that Canadians say or <laughs> North Americans say is water. It's hmm. it's oh really? She said it's just the ugliest thing to her. Has she heard? Has she she's heard saying what she's saying. Water. Okay. Yeah. Water. Wa- water. Anyone? I mean, it can be ugly. There's. I'm. Um, sh- um, what about like uh, more Cockney oh, yeah, English? Yeah. That'd be like water. Yeah. <laughs> that's not sexy, or well, it's kind of sexy actually. Now that if say if said it. Sorry, something comes up to you and asks for water, and you're yeah. not just being like, well, of course, <laughs> I would. I would love to go new water. To you. Jason Statham. Water for the transporter. Uh, where, so, <laughs> where's Jason Statham's accent from? Because it just sounds like like Tough Town UK. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, Greg's Greg's better at this than me. We talked about it on. Um, he lived there for a while, and he's just somehow more English than me. Um, there, oh, fuck, I don't know. But <laughs> there are different English accents, even just in terms of London, oh, like this East it's End like, and things. They're so and, close to each other, and there's all these very distinct accents. It's kind of weird yeah canada yeah. isn't really like that we have different accents like slightly yeah like, eastern, and we, eastern there's different accents there's, yeah but there's we, for sure different there is for sure different accents and like the further you go east, <laughs> i know there there is those huge extremes but what i mean is is that like we're not america like we don't have huge accent swings like that yeah um and we don't have a, and, don't have a yeah. south same here well we have alberta um but <laughs> But in, in, in England, or sorry, in Europe, sorry, yeah, England, sorry, it's so crazy how different it can be from, like, what do you call them, boroughs, wet ends, districts? Mm. Like, they're so crazy sure. different. Uh, yeah. All right, and that was... Yeah, it's wild. Uh, and that was the transporter. And that was words. <laughs> words with action, action. Where, where we all talk about something that we have no concept of. This I was under the understanding that this was a linguistics podcast. Yeah, it is. Um. <laughs> it is today. Uh, well, let's get to the bus sequence because that's the best fight sequence in the movie, right? Yeah. Would we all agree on that? Oh, I yeah. Agree. I mean, as as Agreed. soon as he stepped on the bus, we recorded um, nobody not that long ago. So um, yeah, right, had another bus fight. Oh, I haven't seen yeah, that yet. So that has an awesome bus scene. So as soon as he steps on the bus, I was just like. Nice, a bus scene, and I love the close, <laughs> the close quarters yeah. of, 
anything, mm. whether it be a bus scene, an elevator fight scene, or you know something like that. The close quarters, I, I quite enjoyed that. I did find it weird that they kept, like, they busted off a lot of pipes from somewhere. Cause yeah, I, think I guess it's like, supposed, uh, <laughs> supposed to be like the pipes in the bus that you like help, you know, you yeah. hold, you hold the. Oh uh, no, that's a, it's actually a steampunk bus. It was retrofitted. <laughs> um, yeah, it, that district of France is actually incredibly into steampunk and goggles, and uh, <laughs> there's a uh, boiler yeah, that, in the back. That's that sequence is really fun, and it's extended too. Like it's a nice long uh, set piece. Like so, he has the fight. You know, he has the fight where he's escaping and jumps onto the bus, and then the fight in the bus, and then then I mean, into the famous grease fight. The um, grease fight, yeah. And once he that's gets those the, like bike pedals on his boots, that's pretty fun. That yeah. is the by far the most. It feels like the Hong Kong influence. Like the director was allowed to just do stuff. They calm down a hair with the editing, like with the yeah. cuts. Uh, like it shines as like the like the best part of the film. Yeah, I did kind of question mm. the storage of the grease. Um, <laughs> what kind of what kind of <laughs> shop? Has just like these barrels, half barrels of grease that are so easily. Are you questioning so those they do things in France? <laughs> those are. It was like evolved pigs ran it, and they're like, uh, "This is how we used to do it in the sty. Um, we used to have these, just like, you know, throw the slop in there. They're they're like so filled to the top that you just bump it, and then there's grease on the ground. It just. I mean, health and safety nightmare. They don't, they don't keep a tidy shop like the way that you would. I'm not saying that. I just, I'm just questioning. It serves a purpose, obviously, but that's all. So that's the other thing. It's like we always end up doing this. We just pick these fucking things apart. <laughs> like, are we just assholes? Yes. <laughs> I think it happens. I've thought about this too because I catch myself. Um, you know, when I do a Jean Claude Van Damme movie, for instance. They're obviously perfect films, and I 100%. don't pick them apart. <laughs> but then, I, but then I'll do another movie where I'm picking apart these things that are just is just as present in any Van Damme movie. But it's something about something about the whole pack. Or not all Van Damme movies are perfect, but you so, know, there's something close. about them that I really like. <laughs> but I think it's when if it if it falls down in other areas, yeah. it just opens up the floodgates into picking apart everything. Yeah. You can't let anything. Yeah, go. I was just talking about somebody um, else, and it has to do with the fact that if the movie grabs you and moves you along and doesn't give you the time to yeah. think about it or the or the, like you're lacking joy and where you're like just like oh like oh, you you feel like you're just bored or want to pick things apart like then you don't mm. and then you don't even do it until like the second or third time you watch it um christopher nolan movies are perfect for this Right. Uh, the first time you watch it, it's a complete like you're taken on the ride, and then when you go back, uh, you start to see all the inconsi- like logical inconsistencies. With yeah, them. like where day this turns to night. This is exactly hundred like percent. That. That's so, a, such a good point. Yeah, go when we did Batman, it was similar because Batman '89. There's no rationalization of all the Batman stuff, and so you just go with everything. Um, how, how is Michael Keaton able to pick up this guy so high with his fists, you know. I don't know. I don't care. Oh, I it doesn't matter. Versus <laughs> versus Nolan rationalizing everything. As soon as one thing doesn't make sense, it's it starts to like undermine the whole thing a little bit. The the example I used on the pod was 
because uh, I was watching Falcon and Winter Soldier. And because the Marvel Universe is so real-world-based and it's New York and it's this and it's real-world physics, I can never buy the, the the magic of this fucking shield. I don't understand the Captain America shield and why it's supposed to be some special thing because to me it's just a, a disc of metal and I don't understand how there could be any magical aspect to that. But put it in a, in Batman 89 and I'll just be on board with it. So I think there's there's definitely something about Wait, the more I, you're like a Nolan and you try and explain everything. Do I have to explain vib- vibranium? <laughs> vibranium. <to> <laughs> um, vibranium is a material that does whatever the hell we want it to do. I think <laughs> a, an interesting way to look at this uh, is we have kind of a unique perspective because of where we live uh, and how many things are shot here um, of locations and people going from location to location. And I heard this, uh, a similar thing was, uh, I believe the film uh, Baby Driver was shot in Atlanta. I think it was Atlanta. And it was like, because the car chases are so obviously the everything in that film it's like this road is not connected to that road and this location is 45 minutes away from oh, that location right. uh and and similarly where we live it's like we know vancouver where a lot of things are shot and it's like oh that is this bar and that is the um the library or that is whatever right and you don't think about those things as long as the narrate the narrative and the story t- is like moving you along properly. But as soon yeah. as you have time to like break it down, it sucks you out. And you're like, mm. oh wait, they couldn't get from that location to that location in that amount of time. Are you saying Statham couldn't run across a field, get in an airplane, and get over the highway and parachute out and land on those trucks? No, he could, <laughs> just not where he was. But yeah, this was, this movie gives you time to, 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 to question things. Yeah, I think all that's missing from this movie is a fight on a train. There's a train at the beginning, um, but there's not like a fight on the train. And then it would cover everything. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. A lot of- all, all forms of transport. I see where you're going with this. This is good. Yeah. To make it even more meta, I was thinking, and I, I I wrote this down, not being ironic, genuinely, like this is such a good flight movie. This is the kind of movie you should watch on a flight. Oh, so not true. only, it's about a transporter, he fights on all different forms of transport and it's best viewed while, while in transport. Uh, <laughs> in transport, yeah. No, but it's a great flight movie because you might doze off in bits and wake up and it doesn't yeah, even matter. That's true. Like, right. makes true. Just as much all right, let's true. remake this motherfucker. Very low stakes. <laughs> yeah. They, just, they just did nothing long ago. Uh, I don't. I don't uh, know anything yeah. about the TV show. Has anybody seen any of that? God no, no. no. <laughs> I don't know. What do you know about the Beauty and the Beast TV show, Dustin? Oh well, it had Ron Perlman and Linda <laughs> Hamilton. That's more than I know about this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I haven't. I've never seen it. I've never even seen. I don't think I've even seen an ad for it. So I don't have any no. idea if it's supposed to be good or or what. But it's been on the air for a while. I think. You guys want to oh. talk about the Highlander TV show? Yeah, let's dig into that. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Highlander TV show, Tristan? No. And I think I remember, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but in Australia, we didn't have many TV channels when I was a kid. We didn't get cable for a while. And it was one of those shows, I think it was on late at night and there was nothing else on and I refused Welcome to, to watch Canada. it. Welcome to Canada. Yeah, same kind of deal. It was on Showcase. Yeah. 
uh, this <laughs> TV like channel uh, all the time. But that's another like European right. style show. I don't know if I don't think I've seen the movie. I haven't. James, yeah. I'm guessing it feels you like no, a I big haven't. gap. Dustin, I'm seeing, guessing you've seen it twelve times. Hi, the ori- like Highlander. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen the original once, and I, I actually don't remember it very well. But I was thinking we needed to do it at some point on the show. Hmm. I I remember the second movie. I rented that, and it was one of the worst things I'd ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Sean Connery in the first movie? <clears throat> he's in the first. He's in the yeah. first two. Yeah. Do they have Orangina in that movie? <laughs> I don't recall. <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, uh, Orangina so, is that a thing? Yeah, it is. I was going to ask you guys that too because um, it is in Europe. It's not in Australia. So it's only a thing here uh, in pretty much like um, like a South Asian supermarket or something like uh, that. Yeah. Like it's not. Yeah. It's not just for sale at like a Seven Eleven. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, I've same definitely here. seen it around, but it's not. Yeah, it's not common here. I think it's pretty big in Europe. Like it's it's around, but it's bizarre in this. Like it has two big moments. Yeah, they must have been involved behind the scenes somehow because the second one doesn't. The first one is he gets an orangina for. The Why package, would he not get her water? Lady. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Yeah, that's. Fuck like I'm drink like water when you could drink orange Gina. <laughs> All I'm thinking is is like there's a Vitamin human C? being there. What am I gonna get them? Okay, well every human being needs water. I don't know if they like orangina. I guess yeah. I'm gonna go with orangina. <laughs> it would have been good if you know when he cut the slit in the tape for her lips there. He put a spout in there and then dumped the orange Gina yeah. down the spout. Yeah. It would have been good if she was like, what the fuck is this? I'm thirsty. Can I have water? I'm a human being. I need water, not It's Pepsi. one of those things. Yeah. It's one of those things where if they dialed it up, it could have just been an interesting character quirk. Like <laughs> he just, he just likes it. Orange Gina yeah. a lot. <laughs> because the second appearance of Orange Gina, he's leaving a diner yeah. and he throws away what I assume is an empty can of Pepsi. It's ah, Pepsi. Yeah. And then immediately buys an orange to, to like give to the cops. his palate cleanser or something. He, oh, was it to yeah, give to the cops? Yeah, because he grabbed two straws ah. and he was... Ah. I was wondering... My other thing is like this okay. dude loves to look lonely while eating in gas stations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's a lonely lifestyle. He's a transporter, you know? He doesn't have a lot of friends. He's the, in fact, he probably hangs out with that French detective more than anybody else. That's true. What food was he eating? I wonder if he's brave enough. It's because he's a transporter and he likes to take risks. I wonder if he has like the gas station sushi or... <laughs> I'm uh, guessing it was the, like a... The egg salad. Like a ha- old, old hot dog out of a roller. Like yeah. a ham and brie sandwich on a baguette or something. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Europe gas stations would have... Yeah, they probably would have decent stuff. Amazing food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good like, stuff. I, I eat Canadian like shit. I, I eat sushi from like Costco. Because I'm a, cause I'm a yeah. monster and I'm like on the road all the time. Um, but yeah. Well, let's talk about the final set piece. What did you guys think of that once they start fighting in the, on the, in the trucks and all that stuff? I mean, that's kind of a classic. We've seen this in a, in a lot of movies over the years, right? Yeah, I, I mean. It's kind of great. Yeah. It's okay. It's, it's okay. I mean, I do like all the stuff that happens in, in the cab. Um, yeah. But when he's underneath and he throws that like tire iron at the guy shooting at him and stuff like that. That's right. That yeah, was good. I mean, I'm almost forgetting a lot of the stuff in the final fight scene, to be honest with you. 
I Me literally too. watched it today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't stand out as much as some of the earlier. No, action, it definitely doesn't. I, and, it, and it's very it's abrupt. A bit more wallpaper. Like, it feels yeah. very abrupt. Like he, we're building and building, you know, with the bus sequence and all this stuff, and then he's parachuting in like James fucking Bond. Yeah, he's fighting on the truck, and then you know has to climb back into it. The classic like Raiders of the Lost Ark moment kind of sort of thing. Yeah, but then he just kind of kicks the bad guy out of the cab, and he falls on the road, and that's that's the end of Wall Street. And he doesn't even get run over. Yeah, no, apparently that he was ran over, and they they cut it to get a PG thirteen rating. Yeah. Um. Uh. God damn yeah. MPAA, those motherfuckers. <laughs> hey, I have a, that's, a, that's a side question. What are ratings like in Australia? Because in Canada, um, so uh, say America is like the, the base level for ratings. Mm. Canada is always like, if it's a R in America, it's like 14A in Canada. Yeah, I think uh, R in America. How old do you have to be to watch an R movie 18. in America? Oh, you do? Okay. Well, that's the same here then. Um, yeah, I don't think that, I think a lot of our movies here end up being what we call MA, which is 15. We used plus. to have MA, I think here on TV. Mm. We have MA like in the little corner, right. but like always the ratings in Canada are a little bit like looser. Yeah. I think it's generally the same here. And also a lot of the stuff on like free to wear television here, you know how in the U S it's like, Oh, it's on HBO. It's got swearing yeah. and boobs and stuff like they would have that on normal network television here. Oh, we don't quite um, do that here not after a certain time uh, of night, it, yeah. at night i remember back in like the when sopranos was on tv uh, a station yeah. in in canada started playing the sopranos uh it's called ctv um and they started playing it just at like 10 o'clock they were just that's the exact example i was thinking of when i said that because i watched sopranos on network yeah. tv Probably like nine o'clock or something, but yeah. Interesting. I was curious aside. Sorry. <laughs> I think it's a good point. I think uh, Canada and Australia are a little right, aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> the last scene, it's fun. It's just, I don't know. It, it's kind of just it's, feels it's like it's all right. It's tacked all right, on. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It just feels, and then I don't we know. Have the, we have the final shootout with, uh, you know, the dad and Kyushi shoots her own dad there. Or, or shoot Ki, sorry. Yeah, that struck me as very, like, uh, TV network uh, drama. You know, you yeah, hear the gunshot, like, and then you think, right. and Statham looks down, and he's, like, touching himself. Where's the hole? And turns out he didn't get shot. <laughs> the dad got shot. Yeah, this guy's, like, an experienced yeah. soldier that's brought up, like, 15 fucking times. And then he's, like, he hears a gunshot, and he's, like, I didn't feel any impact, but I'm still worried. Like this. And I was waiting to see what he was going to do with that sharp rock. Yeah, like he was like he had a sharp they, rock behind his head. They to show him picking up the rock, like he's going to cave, cave yeah. the in, right? And then they exactly. I thought it. he was going to like. Oh, uh, Another thing is, is, like, I'm not a big gun guy, but I'm going to bring up dumb gun. Is that like that the way <laughs> they shoot that gun that like the dad is holding, just looks stupid to me. Like, it just looks gigantic. Yeah, he has, like, a giant hand cannon kind of gun. Yeah, yeah. Like this gun's going to fucking blow <laughs> this this guy backwards. I do feel all the the gunfight, um, the, the effects they used are um, very comical to me because it's like, 
you know, somebody is trying to shoot a plane down, how you see it yes. like glow in the air. I forgot about so, this. So all the gunfights yeah, and how tr- in, they all look like tracer bullets, right? That's it. Yeah. yeah, like everything I feel like is like it's like a laser beam being shot out of these. Like I'm watching Star Wars. That's a good point. Yeah, when they were shooting up the house, it, there was, yeah, like <laughs> laser yeah, beams. It was very <laughs> comical. I found the entire film <laughs> was just like these yellow, like like tracers, like these very straight, thick lines being shot. Like yeah. phasers. Mm. Yeah, I noticed that too. And it, it, that stood out to <laughs> no. me so, as being a, a weird stylistic decision. Let that let that settle. They, we're saying yeah, this is a good thing, settle. right? We like the lasers. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough lasers, I think, is what we yeah. were saying. Well, I don't know yeah. what, when yeah. we're going to be ready for the raid, like, to get to the ratings, but I'm going to give a little sneak peek. This is going to be a very interesting uh, final rating for this film and where it lands. Yeah. Should we get into that? Because I I do have to jump off in yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's do it like right now. Thing. So uh, cool. I'll go first. Uh, my rating overall is a five. It's a five. It's just the movie that you watch. If it's on TV, watch part of it. If not, you're you're good. Yeah, and so my reaction is a three, and my overall score ends up being a three. Uh, not a big fan. Yeah, you really didn't like this. No, <laughs> I really didn't. My reaction is a five, and my overall score ends up being a four point four. Do you want to change any of your scores, Tristan? <laughs> Just thought I'd ask. Yeah, well, I can't remember them anyway. Okay. Uh, you gave it a ten, <laughs> but I do think pacing. <laughs> I think I gave it eleven. No pacing. I actually like the pacing. I I wasn't bored in That's this good. movie. So I so that was keep, my keep kind of ratings, filter man. for pacing. Like own it. Yeah, and so I think I think pacing. I'd keep it a ten. I think um, quotes and tropes, this was very tropey uh, in a lot of ways, which it, almost in a good way. Sometimes I do like the comfort of the cheesiness of, of someone, a movie that's just embracing all the old tropes and the irony of choosing a movie that fell outside of the double impact 80s and 90s was that it's one that really lived into a lot of the tropes <laughs> of 80s and 90s action movies. Yeah. So... Uh, whether that's a good thing objectively or not, it did add to my enjoyment of it. So those are, I think the pacing and, and some of those elements are what boosted the score for me. So my my personal reaction, what did Is I say six. before? I think I said six. Yeah. yeah. I think that probably goes to speak for my overall score too. Yeah, really. Your overall ends up being a seven. Yeah, we put all your yeah. numbers together. Which feels yeah, a bit high. It's fine. Which feels a bit high, but six feels like uh, I can stand behind a six. I would I I would legitimately um, it, it is a good flight movie like this is the kind of thing if you got two hours to go on a flight just well that's awesome on. like it'll either put you to sleep or you'll be mildly yeah that's great man like the the movie ends up uh, it ends up being tied actually um, for one hundred and hundred and fifteen at the highest and one hundred and eighteen nineteen at the lowest well so uh, we have an overall score of four point nine yeah with a score of four point nine. So it's tied with the movies, the films, Shakedown, Tristan, this might be a surprise to you, at 116, Bad Boys, uh, (laughs) The Purge Anarchy, and Raw Force. Hmm. So Tristan, before, I know you're you're crunched for time, but do you know any of these movies Hmm. other than Bad Boys and possibly The Purge Anarchy? Uh, Yeah, I know those two, but I don't know the others, no. Dustin? Okay, uh... Yeah, so what we normally do when a movie is tied is we 
we just decide where it's going to go in between these uh, these movies. Um, right. Sorry, can you list it off one more time, real quick? Shakedown, yeah. Bad Boys, The Purge, Anarchy, and Raw Force. Uh, I think I put it. Uh, well, I meant bef- before. Do you want to explain? What oh, Shakedown okay. and Raw Force are? Oh, explain what the movies yeah, are. You're yeah, you're you're the best at uh, Shakedown at that. is a late '80s action movie with Sam Elliott and Peter Weller, um, and uh, Raw Force is a really bizarre uh, B movie about some guys that go to a an island full of zombie monks that they have to fight. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Raw Force. I think this movie is below that. That's, <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would be tempted to put it behind Raw Force myself just because, I mean, this is obviously a better made film than Raw Force, but I had a lot of fun watching that movie. I think I had more fun watching Raw Force than I did watching rewatching The Transporter. James, yeah. what do you think? I mean, I would probably have more fun watching Raw Force as well, but I actually feel like it should go behind Bad Boys. I'd rather watch... I mean, I'm not going to rewatch the Purge movies, but I, th- those movies have a special place in my life, which for some weird reason <laughs> um, yeah. that I can't quite <laughs> put my finger on. You just want to kill people. I no, I'm um, no. Uh, and Raw Force probably deserves to be higher than it is. So I'm going to put it behind Raw Force. So a new number 119, just ahead of Under Siege. Ahead of Under Siege. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, before we leave, though, Tristan, can you please tell everybody how to uh, check out your stuff? Um, you can find us on all podcast platforms, whichever one you like. Just search for Double Impact. Uh, we're also on Instagram at Double Impact Podcast and, and Facebook. Any, basically, Google Double Impact Podcast and you'll find us in all kinds of places. But um Thanks for having me, guys. This yeah, was thank fun. Thank you so much for blast. coming on. I really want to watch. Yeah, thank you. We no really. Worries. I need to watch Raw Force now. I've just been Googling it while <laughs> oh, you're yeah, talking. You've got to watch Raw Force, man. <laughs> I think that if we can let you, if, if you walk away watching any movie, though, please watch Ricky O. Oh. Ricky O, yeah, okay. That's true. The story and, and of Ricky. Add it to the list. And I do want to say, you guys have a, a great podcast, and everyone should definitely go check them out. Um yeah, you yeah. guys are great, and, and and I love your interviews. So you know, hopefully you got more coming. Yeah. Working on it, working right on, on it, trying. We're trying to get um, we're trying to get in that JCVD orbit. Yeah, uh, we've got an ongoing campaign two thousand where we're trying to get Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh, that'd, be the, that'd be the dream. But um, yeah, like Frank Dukes was interesting. We might try and get Sheldon Latich. He's the guy that wrote Bloodsport and directed Double Impact. Um, and we might just start slowly chipping away at the slightly more accessible. Yeah. people in his yeah yeah world. but that's awesome yeah keep it up go check out double impact for sure yeah uh we really really appreciate you coming on it's uh it's super cool i'm glad to meet you thanks for having me yeah me too this has been so much awesome fun. uh i'm gonna say goodbye thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast check us out on instagram on facebook check out our, our instagram actually is the easiest way to find everything about us uh just click the link in our bio and you'll find everything you need and uh as for what we're gonna watch next week do we know no we'll tell you next week we'll tell you next week (laughs) it'll be a surprise uh (laughs) see you later